0: Take your message notes together. We're going to look uh, predominantly today at Deuteronomy. But to set the stage and to go into this next code value, we're in a series called Our Code. We're looking at 10 principles, biblical principles that guide the life of a Christian, a disciple of Jesus. And if they guide your life, then they ought to guide us collectively when we come together. Therefore, the principles that guide your life guide our church. And so we're looking at this these values, we call them here at CBC, our code, uh, and they're non-negotiables that we believe should be in our lives. And so we've talked about the first week, we talked about evangelism, the second week we talked about worship and how we uh, share Christ, and then we honor Christ and everything we do. And today we're going to go to this third one. But to truly understand it in context, you need to know that Mark In Mark chapter 12, we read one day where some religious leaders were coming and they're trying to catch Jesus in some type of heresy. They're trying to find a way to find an accusation against him. Pick up the reading with me now in Mark chapter 12. It says here in verse 28. So one of the scribes, a religious leader, he approaches Jesus. When he heard him debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him. Now this is important. What command is the most important of them all? Now, now to give you a little context of this, you know that God uh, gave Moses how many commandments on Mount Sinai, anybody want to guess? Come on, online campus, you can just put it there in the comments, right, 10. Gave him 10 commandments, but by the time that Jesus arrived on the scene, this is what men do, this is what we do, the religious leaders took those 10 commandments and developed, watch this, over 613 commandments. And those were the commandments, not all the other stuff, you know, like the traditions and the practices and the extras that we always seem to add on, right? Just 613. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, okay, out of all of these commandments, which one do you say is the most important? Now look at what Jesus' response was. Jesus says, this is the most important. Now stop there for a moment and understand with the word listen, Jesus is going to give a direct quote from the book of Deuteronomy And I want you to say this out loud and online you can do it there at home, too Come on everyone read it out loud together. Here's the here's the words of Jesus the quote that he gave ready go listen Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength and the second is, and he quotes out of Leviticus chapter 19 here, love the Lord, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says this, watch this, there is no other command greater than these. And when he said that, Mark even tells us the religious leader and everyone in the crowd, everyone said, that's right. That is the number one. Why? Because what Jesus did in this moment, quoting verbatim, word for word, what is in the Hebrew lifestyle called the Shema. The Shema. Say that with me. The Shema. This is the most important command in all of Judaism, in all of Jewish life. The Shema. The word Shema literally means to hear. That's all it means, here. But here's the context you need to understand. and this will make uh, better sense to you now when you read the Gospels, and, and you read where Jesus would often say a phrase like this, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." Or when Jesus would say, "Truly, truly, I tell you, or if you read the King James, verily, verily, it's the same thing I do when I'm up here preaching, and y'all didn't know this, right? I mean this is a when I'm up here and I go, "Listen, listen, listen. Why do I do that? What are we? Say, what's going on here? In Jewish culture, watch this. Watch this. In Jewish culture, I just did it again. In Jewish culture, hearing and doing are the same thing. In fact, you're married couples. You'll get this. All right. How many times have you been talking to someone? They're nodding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you catch on and you say, You're not listening to me. And they say, I heard every word you said. And you say back, You may have heard me, but you weren't listening to me. Come on, somebody. I got to have a witness in this house. Come on. So in Jewish culture, here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal. God says, You're not listening to me if you're not doing what I had said for you to do. Listening and doing are together, they're the same. This is important because here's what Jesus does when they say, what's the greatest commandment of all? And he goes back and he quotes this Passage uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and it's when Moses like a spiritual father is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt They're on their way to the promised land and God gives these instructions to Moses to give to them and Jesus quotes the Shema love the Lord Hear, O Israel the Lord our God is one Love the Lord with all of your heart and your mind your soul and your strength and then he quotes Leviticus love your neighbor As yourself. Now, here's the big question of the morning. Where did Jesus learn the Shema? The answer to that question is why I'm preaching this sermon today on Father's Day. You may think, well, Jesus would have learned that in the temple, Jesus would have learned that from the rabbis, Jesus would have learned that from the priest. And the answer would be wrong. Jesus would have learned this first most likely from Joseph, who was married to his mother, Mary. Because when you go all the way back to the Shema, and what you're going to see today as we look at the verses before and after the Shema, here's here's the concept we're going to learn today, is that in God's economy, discipleship never starts in the temple. It's not the church where you gain All of your discipleship this is not the hub of discipleship for you the church was always designed to come alongside the family unit and it's within the home of the family unit where the first set of discipleship is to take place in fact you just got to understand this you're here for an hour a week and you have the rest of the week, and you can't segregate God and say, God, I give you this one hour of the week, and then forget about God the rest of the week, and say, hey, our family's gonna grow up and look just like Jesus. It's not gonna happen. And God knew this from the very beginning, and so when he gave the Shema, here's the the Jewish thought, is the discipleship begins in the home, and then the temple comes alongside as the resource. This is a place where you come each week, and we're gonna build you up, we're gonna pray over you, we're gonna encourage you, we're gonna give you resources, but then you've gotta take this right back into the family unit and look at it in the home all through the week. In fact, that's what you're gonna to see today. So there's three areas of the home that we wanna talk about. Now, I understand this is Father's Day and some of you are gonna be like, okay, I still got kids at home, this applies to me. But if you, you don't have kids at home, you can't check, that, check out on me today because this doesn't, this doesn't apply just for those of you with kids. This applies for every married couple. This applies for every single. This applies for every person of every age group because it's what he's really talking about here is taking our faith outside of the four walls of the church and living it in our circles of influence and we all have circles of influence so here's the first piece of the shema look at what jesus said listen israel hear hear and obey take this to action hear israel the lord our god is one write this down if you would And this is our code value today. What are we learning? We're learning that discipleship matters. And this principle that should guide our lives is we develop Christ followers. That's what we're learning from the Shema. That we are responsible at home and at church and in life in general through our circles of influence to develop Christ followers. You don't just become a Christ follower all on your own. There, this is a family responsibility to this, that we all come alongside one another. So let's look at it, what do we teach them? What are the home's instructions? The first one is this, coming out of the Shema, when he says, here the Lord is one, write this down, there's only one true God. And we live in an age where everybody wants to be inclusive of any faith will get you to heaven. But we have to be logical and just factual. The fact of the matter is, if there's one God, then devil has to exist, there's gotta be evil. And if there's one God, and if there's evil, if I was a devil, my greatest job would be, number one, to convince you that I don't exist. Number two, to teach you all roads lead to heaven. But the truth of the fact is, there is one God, and it is our responsibility to not only believe that, but also to teach that there is one God that we serve. There's one way to heaven. That's why the message of Christianity is so vital, and we as Christians, the reason why our number one core value is, is evangelism matters, we share Jesus, is because Jesus said he is the way, Jesus said he was the truth and he's the life, and no one goes to the Father except through the Son. And if we believe that, then we have to understand the power of the Gospel. And the weightiness of this responsibility to tell people there is a God in heaven who created the heavens and the earth. There is a God who created the universe. There is a God who loves you and will not leave you nor forsake you. There is a Father in heaven who wants you in his family and he's provided a way for you. There is one true God. In fact, let's do a little Bible study here. This is fun. Circle the word Lord. And in the word Lord that you're circling there, in the Hebrew, it's the name Yahweh. It's the most holy, reverent name for God in all of scripture, Yahweh. In fact, the name is so holy that the Jewish people, when they were scribing uh, the scriptures, translating them over, making copies, when they come to the name of Yahweh, they wouldn't even spell the name. They would leave a blank in the, in the manuscript. Or if they did, they would only use the, the consonants and they wouldn't include the vowels. The name was holy, and if they did that, they would take a new quill that had never been written, and they'd write the consonants of the name Yahweh, and then throw the pen away, never to use it again. Why? Because they reverenced the name of the one true God as holy. Now circle the word God. Here Israel, the Lord our God, the word God there in Hebrew is Elohim. Which is really interesting. It's the plural form of the name of God. It literally means our God our creator and our creator is plural You say, wait a minute. I'm trying to figure this thing out Well, Hebrews tried to figure this out for years and it doesn't make sense until you understand the Messiah And so truly to understand how God your creator is plural in nature. You have to view it through the lens of Christianity Because in Christianity, here's what we learn about Jesus. Jesus was as much man as man, but he was also as much God as God. He was God's son. God took took on human form. And when we baptize someone, how do we baptize them? We baptize them into the the plural name of our one God. We baptize people to Jesus in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus is. And Jesus would say, I and the Father are one. And you go all the way back to the creation account, and the name of God at creation was given as Elohim, the plural nature of one God. And I know that sounds so amazing to kind of wrap your brain around this concept. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but one God. Not three gods, one God. Isn't it fun to try to figure out God with our three and a half pound brains? Look at your neighbor and says, you you still got some work to do with yours. All right? Just fun to do, right? Look at the next thing that Jesus says here. He says, and we are to love this God. We're to love this God. And notice the pieces here. Circle these in your scriptures. He says, you're to love him with all of your heart and with all of your soul and all of your mind and with all of your Strength. What's he saying here? Write this down. This is all they were saying in Jewish culture was this. You're to love God with your entire being. You don't separate God. You don't segregate God. You don't say, I'll serve God on Sunday, but Saturday night, that's, my, that's me time. Or I'll serve God and I'll worship God until I get to work on Monday, but then i got to be like one of the dudes in the break room. You don't segregate god god is to be there in every aspect of your life and i love the fact that the shema and jesus even said it this way it starts out with we we love god first before he mentions your mind he mentions your heart i'm i'm a scientific minded type of person i'm i can be very logical in my and sequential in my processing And I was was blessed, listen, I was blessed to have spiritual grandparents who, when I was young in age, taught me how to love God and have a relationship with God long before I learned proper theology. Because the way my brain is wired, if I had learned the theology first, I could have got caught up and just lost in all of the theory and theology and philosophy of God but I learned to love him first. And now when I go to the scriptures, I do it from a different perspective. Are you with me? And and this is what the Shema is teaching us of how we develop Christ followers in our homes or in our circles of influences. What do we do? What do we instruct people? There's one God and we're to love him with our entire being. And love him with my heart, the seat of my emotions. I love him with my soul. That means my will and my my determination. I choose to serve God. I'm not serving God because you expect me to or you want me to. I'm worshiping him today because I want to. It's my choice. I love him, I choose him. I'm not afraid to think. You don't have to leave your brain at the door to follow Christ. I can love him intellectually. I can grow in the knowledge of the Lord. I promise you, you're never gonna dive into this book and get to the end of it and go, huh, I got it all. (laughs) It's a living word. He continually is revealing himself to us. And then we're to love him with all of our strength. We're to love him with our action. Then you need to understand this. If we teach this in our homes and we teach this in our circles of influence, that we love God, that there's one God And we love him with our entire beings. Listen, this is the message of Christianity. You can't truly love him and know him unless you know him through his son. Because God has revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So write this down. We love God, and to love God is to love his son and to trust him alone for your eternal salvation. In fact, let me show you what Jesus said about this. Look at this verse. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. Read the next line with me. Come on. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So how do we get to God? How do we teach people this God, this one true God who created the heavens and the earth, who loves you and never leave you? And how do we love him with all our heart? How do we know him? We do it through his son, Jesus. Jesus said these words in John chapter 3, verse 35 through 36. Jesus said these words, The Father loves the Son, and he's given all things into his hands, and the one who believes in the Son has, what's those next two words? Say them out loud, ready? Go eternal life. The one who rejects the Son will not see life. In other words, you can't get to God if you're rejecting his Son. And these are the words of Jesus. So what is our... Uh, Our instruction to teach and to model to those around us in our circles of influence and in our homes That we there is one true God and we're to love him with our entire being And we know him through his son jesus. Now we have a responsibility. How do we do this at home? How do we do this in our circles of influence? Well, look with me down at verses 7 through 9 out of deuteronomy. These are the words of moses right after the shema He says these words, and say the first one out loud, ready, go, repeat. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. And then he says something really interesting. And and when I read this next part here, you gotta understand, remember that Jewish style of learning is through symbolism. And so he says here, bind them, bind what? The teaching, bind the word of God, bind the teachings about God, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Now you may read all that and you're like, okay, pastor, what does that mean? It's pretty simple. He's telling that in our daily lives and in our homes, we need to create an environment where serving God and trusting God is normal. We need to look for ways every day to bring God up in a conversation. Look for ways. I mean, listen, life itself is a great disciple maker. If we'll just live our lives looking for the moments in the day where we can pause and say, did you see what God did there? This reminds me of what the scripture says. Or how should we respond or react to this circumstance? And you use it as a teaching moment to teach them biblical principles. Listen, guys, there's times nobody wants to watch a movie with me. Because there's some movies, like we're watching a movie, everybody's in and I'm like, pause it. Do you see what's happening there? They are depicting something that's out of the Bible right there. Did you see that? Would you just let us watch the movie? Right, I mean, but find ways. Right, I, I did that one time. While I was watching one of those Superman movies. It's like, right. because you do know that the whole Superman story is actually just a parallel of the gospel, right? Jesus, Son of God. So anyway, I mess it up for you. I, I geek out on you real quick. Anyway, here's what here's what God taught through Moses: is find opportunities that work for you and your family. If your kids aren't morning people, don't do family devotions in the morning. They'll hate you and the Bible. <laughs> Find moments that work for you and teach them. And then they says this, repeat it. Keep bringing up the word of the Lord. Keep bringing up, don't be afraid to let your children, your grandchildren or your friends hear you pray or see you reading scripture or quoting a verse. Put scriptures up in your house. Don't be ashamed of the word of God, the principles of the Lord. Follow the word of the Lord. And you know what? The Jewish people took this so seriously that the Shema, what Jesus quoted, was something that Jewish people quote two times every single day. It's a declaration they begin their day with, and it's a declaration they end their day with. Twice a day, they recite the Shema. They never want to forget it. You know why? That last piece that I told you was symbolism. Bind this on your hand. Put this as frontless before your eyes because in Jewish thought, it's this if you are talking about God, you're talking about the one true God that you devote your life to, and now as Christians that we can say we know Him through His Son Jesus. If we get this down in our hearts, here's what they're saying binding it to our hands, that is a symbol of that's the way you'll live your life, it's your actions. And the reason that you'll live it out is the more you talk about God, the more that you live it out, you will find ways to put your faith into action. It's not that you're earning righteousness before God, it's that you're living for God because He is, watch this, watch this, He is the frontlet of your eyes, He is your gaze, He is your vision. He's your vision. And so the idea here is, is that what you set your eyes on, that's how you will live your life to follow. Your actions will follow. So you take the word of God and you take this teaching about God in your life and we pass it on to the next generation. We put God as their gaze and their actions will follow. This is what God told thousands of years ago as the children of Israel came out of Egypt. So this gives us our purpose. What is our purpose But to understand the purpose, let's look at Moses' words right before he gives the Shema. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Get your pen ready because we're going to circle and underline some passages here. The word of God itself is going to teach you exactly what this principle looks like. Are you ready? Here's what Moses said This is the command, the statues and the ordinances. The Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. What was Moses' responsibility? To teach the word to who? The families the people and they were to do what with this take it home talk about this at home around the table when they woke up in the mornings when they went to bed at night when they walked down the road again the church was never to be the hub of spiritual development it was to be the resource center for the discipleship to happen at home and so here's what he says God told me to teach you this so that you may circle the next two words, say them out loud with me, ready to go, so that you may follow them in the land you're about to enter. So as they're going on this journey, do this so that you may now circle this phrase fear the Lord your God all the days of your life. What does the word fear here mean? Does it mean you're a fearful, like I'm afraid of God? No, that's not what the verse here means. The word fear here means to stand in awe of God, to reverence him. It goes back to the fact that he wouldn't even write his name because it's so holy. It's to have that reverence, that awe, that respect to God so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life. And how do we show God that we reverence him? Look at the next line. Circle it. By keeping his commandments. Remember that here and obey are the same thing we say i follow god i love jesus jesus would say i'm glad to hear it let me see it hear and obey come together and then god says i'm giving you this to your son and your grandson so that you may live a long life listen to israel and be careful to follow them so that you may circle the next word prosper and multiply greatly Now, I need you to understand something. The word prosper here doesn't mean if you serve God, you're going to get money in the pocket. That is heresy. You know what this means? Last week, I taught you Psalm 33. Psalm 33 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear Him. It means that as you honor and respect and reverence God and live for Him, this is what we need to teach our children and grandchildren. This is what we need to teach our circles of influence. To love God with all our being, to serve him through Jesus Christ. And when you do, and you have your eyes set on the Lord, here's the great promise of God. God has his eyes set on you too. He's for you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, he's for you. His eyes are on you. The goal is simply this. Here's your big takeaway for the day. You ready? In our homes or in our circles of influence, whether it's work or family or friends, we want to come alongside and help develop disciples. Our goal for you and my prayer is that your goal for your children and grandchildren. I know this is a goal for my children. It's a goal for me, for my grandchildren. I want them to be a disciple of Jesus who leads a life Honoring to God and what does that look like? Well? We just had some fun with this just looking at the scriptures and I got our staff together And we just said what does it look like if we can truly help someone be a disciple of Jesus? And so I just want to give you this little acrostic. I want you to write this down if you come to starting point You'll hear me talk about that as a goal for our church and the first one is this to be a true disciple Christ This this is what the Shema is teaching us. It's to love Christ above all things. That's what we want to instill. We want to instill it in your life and in your family, to love Christ above all things, to put God in his position of worship in your life where he deserves to be. Number two, that we help you live a life where you engage in spiritual growth. You engage. This this is you. This is you taking responsibility. And this is what we've got to teach. We've got to teach one another how to be feeders into the word of God, how to read, how to study. There's some special young Christians in my life right now that every once in a while they'll text me and they'll say, Pastor, what should I be reading right now? And this morning I was able to text two of them this morning. Some Bible study helps. And it just, it's important to me that we understand how to teach one another to engage in spiritual growth. Because you're never gonna dive into this book and come to a place in the end and say, I got all I needed out of there. This book is alive and it's continu- you're continually growing and learning. Let's look at the next letter. We're actively serving. It's not about us anymore. It's about someone else. That leads us to the next one. The D stands for disciples, others. And how important it is for us to realize this isn't all about us anymore. This is about us feeding into other people and raising up other people, helping develop. This is our code value. We develop Christ followers and we do this together. It's all of us starting in our homes and in every influence of our lives. We wanna help people grow in their faith and Disciple, We all have some teaching. We all have had some spiritual growth. It's now time for us to pass it on to someone else. Don't just hoard it all up for yourself. Most importantly, the S stands for sharing Jesus. Because there's no other way to the Father except through the Son. Amen? Here at our church, everything we do. And you know, sometimes you won't understand why we make some changes. Just kids ministry. And now we're putting so much more emphasis on the weekend, but that's because hundreds of kids are coming on the weekends. This fall, we're going to be redesigning small groups and we're going to be doing some training. If you're interested in leading a small group, we're going to be doing some trainings and new designs for small groups. You'll hear more about that this fall and you'll be saying, well, why are we doing that? It's because our goal is always, as God grows our church, to be able to disciple one another more efficiently and to be better at making disciples. I promise you, that's always gonna be our goal. How many of you love Jesus with all your heart today? How many of you want to use your life and your knowledge to influence someone else? Can we pray about that today? Let's do that. God, we thank you for the Shema and we thank you for this teaching of how God begins in the home and works through every circle of influence coming alongside of the inspiration of the temple just to walk together in our spiritual growth to teach that there's one true holy God and that we're to love you with our entire being through your son Jesus and we thank you for his salvation. God, this morning we pray that you will help us to talk about you Just through life, find moments to bring you up and to continually encourage others. Help us to put you at the forefront of our gaze and let our lives follow after you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Help us be a people, develop other people for your kingdom.